What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. My mind's playing tricks on me. Why won't it let me be? Look inside and try to find, but nothing seems to give me sweet Self-Helpless with Kelsey Cook, Delaney Fisher, and Taylor Tomlinson. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Self-Helpless. I'm Delaney Fisher. I'm Kelsey Cook. And I'm Taylor Tomlinson. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a real old school Delaney intro. we let Delaney introduce it. (laughs) Throwback. Um, All right, so this is a really uh, important episode. We've been wanting to do this uh, follow-up for a while. And we got an overwhelming response about... Uh, borderline personality disorder the first episode we did about the relationship uh one so we got um, a lot of positive feedback people thanking us for the episode we got a handful of really really negative feedback and people who were very offended by it so we wanted to just clear some stuff up and respond to those messages yeah um so one uh one of the things that we felt like it was pretty obvious already we've never claimed to be mental health professionals in any facet we really simply introduce topics and if you connect with them we strongly encourage that you go and do your own research yeah although we Um, do we do research for every topic absolutely like no we're not licensed in these things but you know we don't come here and just like talk out our asses we do you know do a bunch of research absolutely yeah, we're usually referencing a book of some kind or, yeah you know yeah. like article not, absolutely it's not just us going so we wikipedia it right exactly. yeah <laughs> exactly well sometimes <laughs> for some of the uh, lighter stuff yeah, yeah. um uh, another thing we've said this in the episode and several episodes we've never meant to offend anybody that is the opposite of what the heart of this podcast is right uh we never want to offend or or we're we're not set out to demonize anything however we will never censor our experiences so 
that's the thing is like our lives are not always neat and pretty so if we have raw emotion and experiences we want to share we can't worry about every little word or thing that comes out of our mouth offending somebody because if we did that we wouldn't have a show right there every single episode we have all said something probably where we walk away thinking, God, should I have worded that differently? Or, you know, did that come out weird? We think about that all the time. We have to get over that or else we wouldn't have a podcast. Um, uh, And also if you guys, uh, basically any topic that we cover on the show, we plan to do a series of episodes about that topic. For example, borderline personality disorder. You talked about having a relationship with somebody with that. Um, Our follow-up today is with somebody who's been diagnosed with it. And eventually, we're going to have a mental health professional on to talk about that. We have plans for every topic of the podcast being a series uh, of episodes. So if you can not look at it as like the end-all, be-all about that topic, but just one in many, um, that would uh, you know be helpful. Um, Let's see. Again we uh, this is none of this is scripted this is all improvised off the cuff raw emotion yeah it's a conversation we're having it's a conversation there's a lot of great podcasts out there that follow a a script and bullet points and stuff like that if that's more your jam that's cool um but if you can just keep in mind you know we're we're being very vulnerable and we support each other in that vulnerability Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah, so i just kind of wanted to throw those out there kelsey you want to add anything to all that yeah so i mean Obviously, during the Borderline episode, I was the one kind of like doing the majority of the talking for it since it was about my experience I had. And so when we got these um, negative hand- uh, negative emails from a handful of people, I definitely took it really hard because I was like, oh, Christ, you know, I never, ever wanted to make anybody feel bad Um the emails we got, the majority of them were from people who weren't regular listeners of the show. Mm-hmm. They were right. people who um, have been diagnosed with borderline, who searched for borderline on iTunes or you know wherever they listen to podcasts, and our episode came up. Right. So obviously they were hearing it as somebody with borderline um, and heard me talking about a very negative experience with somebody who had borderline, and um, we just, you know we had some people writing in that were not happy about the way the episode went. So here's the thing. Like Delaney said, I can't change what my experience was. Like that is what happened in my life was that I had that relationship with somebody with borderline. Uh, And part of why I wanted to talk about it on the show was to bring some clarity to people who might be in a similar situation that I was in where I didn't even know what borderline was first Mm -hmm. off. And I definitely didn't know that I was in a relationship with somebody who had it. And so we had so many people write in saying that the episode did just that, where they were like, oh, my God, you just it changed my life. Now I know that either my partner or my best friend or my mom or my dad, ha- I'm pretty sure this person has borderline. And that's like that to me was a goal was like if anybody could take away something from it, it would be that it helped them the way that it helped me when I finally went to therapy about it. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's like it's kind of ironic because the book that helps people um, deal with having a relationship with somebody with BPD is called Stop Walking on Eggshells. Right. And after we got those emails with people upset, I felt like I needed to go back to walking on eggshells mm-hmm. about borderline because I was like, oh, I feel like now I can't say anything negative about it. But it's like, you know, like I already did that. <laughs> like yeah. I, I did my time walking on eggshells. I don't think it's fair for me to have to hide that 
I had like a really painful experience yeah. in my life yeah. and I'm not you know it was specifically about my ex and my ex is g- going to be unlike any other person and any other person with borderline like right. every person who has BPD I'm sure has it at different levels of severity right. and the people who wrote into us you you said that you already know you have BPD like you've been diagnosed you're in therapy my ex wasn't any of those things right. so you're already completely different than the person that I was having an experience with right. um and uh you know I feel there were some people in the emails who said that like we were lacking compassion about people with BPD and I just feel like if you've ever loved somebody who has borderline like I inherently had the most amount of compassion mm. <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. and like I still do um and I had so much compassion that I kept going back to him despite the chaos you know and um the problem ultimately was that he wasn't willing to do that work on himself mm-hmm. so and you know I've talked about that before like with Kane where when Kane started going to therapy and started going to AA that was a game changer and like I'm I'm always willing to stick out tough times with somebody if they are willing to like put in the work for themselves but that wasn't the case with my ex so um I don't know I just I feel like I I don't know what place my ex is in now but all I know is at the time he didn't know he had it and he wasn't willing to get help so for if any of you are listening who were people that wrote in angrily just know that like you're already in a different place than the person I was talking about um and then lastly some people were saying that they were upset that I said um that therapy is really hard for people with borderline to find because because one of the things with borderline is that like they can be very manipulative and that Mm -hmm. sometimes therapists feel like they have a hard time breaking through or actually trusting if the person is like you know present I suppose um but I like I do want to say now and make that very clear that there are like specific treatments that people with bpd can do and there's like specific therapy um called dbt which is dialectical behavior therapy um which focuses on the concept of mindfulness or paying attention to the present emotion so it teaches skills to control intense emotions reduce self-destructive behavior manage distress and improve relationships so like i will apologize for that because i didn't want to make it i definitely don't want to make it seem like if you have it there's no hope right (laughs) you know like there definitely is um, a lot of help out there and uh, so you know I'll apologize for that I definitely didn't mean to seem like yeah, it was not no I again the, oh, sorry that you, was a lot no but <laughs> I wrote honestly, I was like at like 5 a.m on the airplane just like typing <laughs> this out like a crazy person well our guest is going to talk about that treatment that you just mentioned so yep. that'll be really good for us to learn about that <sighs> but again you guys dealing with raw emotion here and some of this stuff is not easy for us to talk about and if yeah. it comes across a certain way we obviously we wouldn't make a fucking self-help podcast if we wanted to go out making people feel like shit (laughs) very much the opposite of of our our mission here um so in response to that first episode i want to read an email of somebody who wrote into us if that's cool yeah um This is from Chris, and he says, Hey, gang, just wanted to thank you for doing a BPD episode. It's very misunderstood and hard to diagnose even. I myself have had 
BPD my whole life. I've been aware of it since about 22. I'm 27 now and have been in DPT or DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, the most common type of therapy to help BPD. And even with therapy, I struggle every day. You guys did a great job explaining it. The one thing I wanted to let you know was when your boyfriend would treat you like shit. I'm a pro at this too. It wasn't to actually make you leave. With BPD, people, people, everything becomes a test. I pushed my girlfriends, my parents, anyone who cared about me. I would push and push as far away as I could to see how much they really love me. Because we are convinced everyone's love is fake because we are so scared of abandonment. So we test it constantly. Trying to find the line and if slash when we push too far, we become so sweet to bring you back in. I was a pro at the push-pull bullshit. I struggled Mm. with drug addiction, dangerous behaviors, sexual proclivities proclivities mm-hmm. and many suicide attempts almost all due to girls and or breakups there is no medication although bpd usually coincides with other issues like anxiety or depression that meds may help but dbt is the preferred method of helping those that struggle with bpd i still struggle with a lot of the issues but my therapist helped me get through them and helps me to recognize when i get into these episodes or swings of nev- negativity so i'm better able to live with it and fun- function somewhat normally anyways thanks for all you girls do if you have any questions or would like to talk about more about BPD, just let me know. I'd be happy to help. I want it to be more understood and out there. Until I finally learned about BPD, I seriously just thought I was crazy and I would always be that way. When I read the qualifiers for BPD, it was like a light bulb went off and just knowing what I had, had a name, and I wasn't alone was so helpful in of itself. So whatever I can do to help push a different narrative because it is easy to demonize those struggles, I'd be more than willing to contribute Thanks again, Chris. Mm. So we got that email and, of course, invited Chris on the show. So we have a very special guest on the show today. Uh, uh, We have Chris from Seattle, 27 years old, uh, currently a warehouse manager for an electric electrical contractor and was a medic in the air force uh he's currently pursuing schooling to become a registered nurse and he enjoys hiking mountain biking snowboarding pretty much all outdoor activities chris thank you so much for being here and being uh willing to share your life with us and your experience we really appreciate you yeah absolutely i appreciate you guys putting the information out there and having a forum for this kind of stuff it's uh it's good to get it out there yeah um do you have like in Seattle? Um, do you have any sort of like you know how like with there's AA and stuff like that? Are there groups um, for borderline? Um, something like that. Uh, in the I think I mentioned in my email DBT dialectical behavioral therapy. Yeah. It's uh, kind of a specific uh, treatment for uh, BPD, and part of that is uh, pretty much weekly group sessions. Um, oh. So in those group sessions, yeah, you work with other people that have kind of been in the program longer that kind of help lead the class and give you homework and skills and things to help you uh, <clears throat> to help you kind of deal with everyday life. Wow, wow, that's really cool. Could you talk a little bit about realizing you had borderline? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've for forever, I've pretty much since I was like 13, I've had kind of just the emotional control issues is what I used to call it before. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it took a long time to really uh, nail it down. I've been misdiagnosed with anxiety, um, manic depressive, and a few other things throughout my uh, adolescence. And then finally, when I was 22, I met with, a, a just this one counselor that happened to be like, you know, you, have you ever heard of, you know, uh, BPD? And I hadn't, and he kind of broke it down for me and read me the qualifiers. And it was, it really was just like an aha moment that, you know, all of these things kind of connect for me and wow. what I've been through. And 
it really it kind of just helped me knowing that it was a thing and that I wasn't just crazy and that there was a kind of help for it. And it really kind of helped get me going on my path to recovery was to kind of, you know, know that it, it was this one thing. Yeah. Wow. What kind of specific things can you do like this type of therapy? What kind of, you know, coping skills do they give you? A uh, big one is mindfulness, uh, different, different ways of kind of being in the moment, kind of centering yourself. Mm. Um, it, it you know that's it sounds kind of cheesy but it really does help to kind of just take 10 seconds and to really you know question my because uh, a big thing is the inappropriate emotional responses so mm-hmm. uh like it can be really quick to anger really quick to depressed or you know really quick mm-hmm. to happy as well it's kind of extremes of emotions and and it doesn't always fit the appropriate reaction for what's going on so to take some time and to really think about uh, is this emotional response, you know, appropriate for what's going on around me and kind of just being in the in the moment and realizing that, you know, this is kind of my mind and my anxiety playing tricks on me. Wow. So before you were officially you talked to that counselor and were diagnosed, was it sort of just this confusing thing for you where like, why am I so much more affected by small things than other people? Or, or why are, why am I feeling so angry in this situation when it shouldn't be, you know, maybe this affecting me this much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it was very confusing for a long time. And, you know, another big part of it is fear of abandonment, which is, you know, not even a term I'd really thought of. And But once I heard that term as being kind of a hallmark of it, it was, you know, it was such a, it was such a, you know, a connector for me to, you know, realize that I have always had this kind of fear of abandonment. I've gone to extreme lengths to avoid that fear of abandonment and things like that and it's you know absolutely affected my relationships in uh, mostly negative ways in the past so it's been good to kind of start to get a handle on it and move forward yeah wow. um what what if you don't mind me asking what was your childhood like does that stem from something in particular the fear of abandonment um yeah i mean i had my parents divorced when i was young and i kind of moved moved around the country a couple times and kind of got relocated in different schools and had some just just some issues you know just mostly normal issues growing up but it seemed to kind of follow me into adulthood uh, just based on um my mental health or whatever but uh, i don't I don't like have like a specific event that like seems like it was the one thing but you know just but just always wanting to be loved it just kind of seemed like something that drew to me in an an extreme fashion I guess yeah Mm. um with the fear of abandonment did you also feel or still feel um the fear of being smothered as well Yes, exactly. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a a world of extremes. It's, you know, there's definitely times of, you know, absolute fear of abandonment, absolute fear of smothering too. And I can, it can go both ways as well as I, as I kind of give off my vibes, I can be, you know, I can push away and I can pull, pull, try to pull you back. And yeah. um, so that was a, that was a big part of my relationship was kind of a push and push and pull. And it was, and it was it was always like I was just testing these girls, like, see how far I could push them. And like, oh, I knew you didn't love me that much. Mm. See, I pushed you away. I knew you didn't love me. And, you know, it was like this sick little game that I used to play the just to almost literally try to see how far I could push their love. Wow. Mm. So almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy if and when, yeah. they, when they left oh, yeah. you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it was was definitely toxic to all really, not even just personal relationships, but just relationships with friends. I would do the same things, Um, you know, not getting texts back in a certain amount of time used to drive me crazy. I've I've pretty much given up most social media. I've deleted all the apps, at least, so that if I do go, it takes some work for me to get there because that was a big source of anxiety for me. Did you have um, a lot of like on again, off again relationships with the same partner the way that I did with my borderline ex or when you were done with somebody, did you feel like completely done? I was de- no, I was definitely on again, off again. Most of my relationships have been for a year or longer, but mostly on and off. You know, I have you know one relationship was four years long, but it was pretty much on and off all the right. time for those four years because of because of that push pull uh, dynamic. Right. Yeah. Did you like find that when you would start back up again, it would it was almost kind of like like addictive, like yeah. thrill because it's almost like you're restarting. It's like having yeah. a brand new relationship. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, you do almost get addicted to the the lows and the highs. You come down and then you kind of almost know that it's going to come back up again. And you kind of have that makeup time where it is, you know, everything's, yeah. you know, sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's harder. It was, you know, back then it was a lot harder to find stability, which is what I'm been working hard towards now mm-hmm. because those swings are so you know taxing emotionally yeah, yeah. has um so, so many things for you yeah <laughs> so i know right so now, <laughs> this is so enlightening my god this is so insightful um so yeah. now that you've been diagnosed and you know what's going on has that affected the way that you date or navigate relationships uh yeah absolutely i i i work i'm pretty close with my therapist i've been working with them for like three years now so i work really closely with them especially in the new part of relationships i'm, I'm just currently out of a relationship now but the last relationship was one of the better ones that i've had uh, since i was since i've been working with therapy mm. um, but i'm single now and kind of looking forward to uh, finding something new and kind of practicing these skills that i've been working on but i've always been pretty open with uh, now that I know anyway I've always been open with my uh, girlfriends about my uh, diagnosis and kind of what that means for them and I try to tell mm-hmm. them early because it can be uh, it can be a deal breaker most of the time they're mm-hmm. okay with it and they're willing to try but <clears throat> it's you know it's just something I like to put out there just so that they can kind of do their own research and kind of know what to expect or just not be so blindsided when the first yeah. few mood swings come yeah. yeah what do you tell them specifically i mean do you kind of say like when i get like this this is what's happening or if i react to something this way this is how you should handle me or yeah there's that's funny there's actually like a vice article that broke down dating um uh, borderline personality disorder people that I I've saved and I send to people because it's really good. Explanation. <laughs> oh, wow. oh man, yeah, but it, it, it's kind of helped. Uh, but you know, I do, I tell them kind of what to expect and to, you know, to help me too, to be like, you know, to point it out to me, but you know, like, is this the appropriate response to, you know, to this, to this moment for mm. this emotions, So I tell them to try to, you know, work with me and help me through it as well so that they're kind of a part of the process. So I'm not just hiding it from them and kind of bombarding them with all these emotions with uh, without warning. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you tell is this something you do on like a first date or do you like give it some Uh, time and feel like, okay, this actually might be something that could be serious. And you know what I mean? Like, how do you gauge that? 
Yeah, usually I, I wouldn't do it on the first date. I'm trying to scare them away that quick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got you. That makes <laughs> definitely, sense. Yeah, definitely feel it out. And if it feels like it's something that I would be interested in pursuing, you know, because that is kind of, and if, if they don't want to be with someone that's struggling with that, I totally understand. And I, I don't want them to feel like they have to be with me either. And that's part of me trying to find that stability mm-hmm. is kind of putting it out there and, you know, giving them the option early if they don't want to deal with it. Because I, I would understand it's, it's not, it's not always fun, especially especially before I was diagnosed. Right. right. Do you, yeah. so do you have an example maybe of, of a time that you felt yourself uh, going into one of those emotional swings in a relationship specifically and how you sort of maybe with that person or just on your own had to kind of work through it in the moment? Uh, well, yeah, I got some bad examples and some good examples, some <laughs> bad, like before I was diagnosed, uh, I, I, uh, part of the, part of my uh, thing is paranoia and I mm. got really paranoid and I ended up looking at my girlfriend's phone and, and it, they were technically harmless texts with friends, but you know, at the moment I was so hyped up on, you know, going mm. through her phone that I was just looking for everything and just seeing guys' names at her phone just kind of made me lose it. And we fought mm. and we broke up and I thought it was the end of the world. I really was considering, you know, harming myself and ended mm-hmm. up having to go to a hospital and that was uh, it actually got me into therapy that time okay. uh, so that's kind of a, a bad example of not working through things and kind of taking it to the extreme but since uh, since being diagnosed um you know just certain things like i said you know not getting text backs within you know minutes used to like literally put me on you know anxious edge um, so now I'm able to kind of work through those emotions and just, you know, realize, oh, she's at work or, you know, she's at school or whatever the circumstances may be. I'm able to kind of work through that in my brain. But it does take uh, conscious effort and it, it it's it's not always easy. And sometimes it takes me a little longer to yeah. kind of get it. Right. Have you reached out to anybody that you previously dated now that you've been diagnosed and now that you know what's going on? Have you been able to kind of heal some of those past relationships? Uh, yeah, one of my uh, my I dated pretty much the same girl all through uh, high school when I lived in Virginia before I moved out to Seattle. And uh, we kind of ended things in flames and and <laughs> so we never really talked. And then after kind of figuring out what was up with me, I kind of, you know, went back and kind of told her what I'd found out. And, you know, it kind of explained a lot for our relationship as well. Even back, you know, I just thought I was, you know, just a hormonal kid in high school, but it, it was definitely an extreme. And I can kind of see that now. And, you know, I can kind of sympathize with her that I did put her through those extremes. Yeah. Um, so now we're friends now. We we still talk to this day, even though we live across the country from each other. Oh, wow. That's really That's nice. That's really cool. Very yeah. healing. I'm sorry, it sounds very very healing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd love your opinion on this. I know this is definitely like a person-to-person thing, but I've always had kind of a a weird feeling about the fact that I know now uh, that my ex has borderline, but I never told him because we had Mm. broken up for like the last time, and I I never really knew if that was um, like my responsibility to tell him, if if telling him was going to be a good thing for him or if it was gonna make him feel like more damaged or something because he would he would talk all the time about like that he knew something wasn't quite right with him but he just didn't know what and he I think he was too afraid to actually go to therapy and like find out what it was and I was afraid that if I told him he would like 
hate me forever or tell me I didn't know what yeah. I was talking about. So I, ne- I never told him. And to this day, I mean, we haven't spoken for like seven years. I still don't know if he knows he is borderline. I don't know yeah. if he'll ever know. But I've always kind of like had that weight on me of like, man, I don't know if I did the right thing to like not tell well, him. Well, you definitely did the right thing because in all honesty, it's not it's not. It's not up to you. It's not you telling him may or may not have kind of led him to the light, but it really needs to be his, his own journey. Cause I can almost guarantee if one of my earlier girlfriends said you have a mental, you know, even in the nicest way that I'm pretty sure you have a mental health problem. I'd probably lose it on the spot. (laughs) That's how I felt. Yeah. Go off. So, I mean, it's definitely not something you should ever feel guilty about because it's definitely a personal journey. I mean, it's taken me a long time, even, you know, the last five years to kind of to, work my way down yeah you know kind of an emotional mess to more stay you know I can I've kind of I used to bounce around living different places different jobs just you know always kind of changing my environment because it was just always so hectic so I've you know I've had the same job for three years now I'm back in school things are just really starting to stabilize in my life so yeah that's awesome The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Awesome. Um, is medication involved with this treatment too, or is it therapy only, or how does that work? Um, for for borderline, it's mostly therapy, but it definitely coincides with um, with other uh, other mental health issues like anxiety, depression, which I've I've been diagnosed with before, and I do think they're still applicable. Uh, I've done. I've done anxiety medications and I've done uh, different antidepressants and things like that, but they never seem to quite hit the mark for me. And I don't know if that was because I am borderline or if it's because just the medications didn't work or what. It's such a fine line and it's so personal. But for me, the medications didn't work. Exercise and uh, therapy were really big helps for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I so Delaney read your I don't know if you were on the line yet, but she read your email to us um, mm-hmm. out loud so that like the listeners could kind of get a little bit bit of backstory from what you had sent us. And so the part I remember, like when you r- sent this, I kind of gave me goosebumps because nobody had ever said this to me. The whole um, you said that the one thing I wanted to let you know was that when your boyfriend would treat you like shit, I'm a pro at this, too. It wasn't to actually make you leave um, with BPD people everything i'm sorry with bpd people everything becomes a test and to me it's like that made me think back to all those times that he would treat me like shit and it made me try and see it in a different light of like him testing me but i feel like the times that i would stay through him treating me like shit i feel like he would look at me even lower 
than before. Like, I feel like he would lose respect for me because he knew he was treating me like shit. Mm. And so it was... Do you, do you know what I'm saying? That, like, yeah. it didn't feel like a test because it wasn't like, oh, you stayed after all, so you must really love me. I remember just, like, getting this vibe from him, like, ugh, you must be really desperate that you'll, like, keep putting up with this shit. Like, that's how yeah. I felt. Is that, like, the same vibe that you would give off? Or were you more, like, okay, like, did you feel more comforted that they stayed? Yeah, I guess, I mean, everyone's different, and there's definitely different levels. For me, it was, you know, like, that was, I, like, lived for that. I lived for pushing them away to the point of almost breaking and then getting them back because of that elation I would get from getting them back. Um, So for me personally, that's how it was. But again, you know, for everybody, it's different, and there's definitely different levels. So yeah, it could have been different. Yeah. But everything, it's, it's, it's a, it's, you know, the fear of abandonment is such a reoccurring theme, and all uh, people with the borderline, it's such a hallmark of it is this fear of abandonment that um, even if he was giving off those vibes, I'm sure deep down he was, you know, glad to just have somebody there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I feel like if it if he was pushing me away, it was like it felt like he was exclusively pushing me away. It felt so Mm -hmm. cold and like just like he was a different person. And then if he pushed me to push me away to the point where I did leave then it was just like the fear of abandonment seemed to kick in so hard where then he would like just put on the full Prince Charming act and Mm. try so hard to get me back. And it was like, I could never keep up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a roller coaster. Yeah. So do you feel like when, when girlfriends of yours would, would sort of come back or like quote unquote pass the test or prove that they loved you enough, did you feel like you would reward them? after that and treat them you know very well for a while as like oh yeah you did it yeah definitely i would you know do kind of i would definitely you know things would be better for you know at least a, at least a period of time and i would you know be better and you know i, I was just such a, a people pleaser though like and and some of the relationships were definitely uh codependent so we both kind of had issues and kind of relied mm. on each other's issues to deal with our own issues and so they weren't always the most healthy but it uh it it kind of helped me to to have them stay and to i don't know so it was definitely a weird game to play to the the whole push pull thing yeah oh i was going to say do you um i found with my ex that like the first time we started dating, I felt like things were pretty good for maybe the first like three months. I feel like the longest stretch of him um, trying to like pull me in was the very beginning of everything. And then from there, it seemed to me like once he felt pretty secure and that like I wasn't going anywhere, that that's when like the tests would start. Is that kind of how you felt in your relationships that like in the very beginning, you have kind of a long span of of bringing that person in before you start kind of testing them yeah definitely back before i was diagnosed and i was kind of fully into the games i would absolutely try to you know kind of hide my crazy for as long as i could you know and just (laughs) you know be the best person be the best guy do everything they wanted you buy them everything they wanted just you know do anything to you know make them like me make them stay and make them love me because then once they love me then i could you know start testing them and you know i was Mm. just so addicted to the the ups and downs yeah this is I have to tell you like this is really unlike anything I've ever experienced talking with you I've never had like an intimate conversation like this with somebody who like 
is diagnosed borderline like is comfortable with it like is comfortable talking about it i've only ever yeah. spoken with therapists about it you know what i mean like it's so helpful you have no idea yeah well thank you guys it's it, i mean it's not even well known like i said i've been going to therapy since i was like 13 and i didn't get a correct diagnosis until i was 22 so i mean Jeez. not even a lot of therapists know about it and even right. less know about, and even less of them know about the the dbt it's a pretty new it's a pretty new um treatment and it actually started in seattle the university of washington so i'm kind of lucky that i'm in the epicenter of it because it's kind of it's really hard on therapists too because in the there's a couple different stages and in the first stage most therapists can only have one or two patients because they literally they're on call 24 seven hours a day like they you have their personal cell phone and if you if you're suicidal at two in the morning you're encouraged to call them and they'll talk you down or you know get you help or whatever so in the beginning in the in the harder parts of it um it's really intense kind of daily contact so it's it's hard on the therapist as well so they usually can't even handle more than one or two patients so it's kind of hard Mm -hmm. to find this uh this uh, DBT treatment. So it kind of took me a while to even, even here, it took me a few months to get into a program. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's my, so so I'm from Washington state and, you know, lived in Seattle for like almost five years. And that's Mm -hmm. where part of my relationship was with my, um, uh, borderline ex and my therapist who I saw there, who was the one who told me about all this. She actually specialized in borderline. So I also, (laughs) like I got kind of lucky, um, that I, was seeing somebody who did know enough about it Mm -hmm. to be like oh this is exactly what yeah raise the flags right right um which is i think another reason why i i've felt guilty this whole time with me knowing and him not because you said that when you were diagnosed you felt this like huge weight lift off your shoulders and that your life has been changed for the better and i've always just you know it's hard to feel like i am like with somehow withholding this key to his happiness and i know you said it's like that's not my responsibility but it's just tough to yeah. hear like how yeah. i'm sure he would be happier to know but again it's like i don't know if he'll ever s- seek help or yeah find out. and it's i mean it is that's tough and i totally understand the dilemma there but it's 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 such a personal thing and you know even i I went through a couple therapists even finding the right therapist that worked well with me so even the first couple times i tried it you know i pretty much stopped going to group i wouldn't you know cooperate i wouldn't really follow the program Mm -hmm. so it it took it took time even after i mean it was definitely an aha moment that this is definitely me but from the stage when i figured out this is me to where i really sought real help was at least a year and a half two years Wow. Wow. Um, so when it comes to, you know, self-care, uh, if I don't know if, if, if they're called flare-ups or something, but if you feel like you're having a flare-up, how do you take care of yourself and kind of get back into the swing of things? Uh, for me personally, uh, just through working with my therapist, I found exercise is one of my biggest kind of stress reliefs and kind of get me away and luckily i live in washington where there's lots of hiking and mountains and snowboarding and mountain biking so i mean but in the first the first couple years of therapy i went through so many hobbies like i was golfing i was fishing i was doing archery i was doing all these things (laughs) just trying to find something to take my mind off of you know the world and then i really found kind of fell in love with hiking and mountain biking and just being away on the mountains and and when I can't do that, I just I'll just go to the gym and just you know put on some headphones and disappear on a on a treadmill and kind of just 
kind of practice the mindfulness and focus on the moment and where I am with myself and my life and kind of try to strip away all the layers of anxiety and fear that kind of surround me on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, your your email to us was so different than some of the other emails we received from people who have been diagnosed with BPD. Um, we did have another person who reached out on Twitter that initially was like, I felt a little hurt by the episode and I felt a little bit like I couldn't trust myself to get better. And then when I responded and kind of explained more, he was like, I, I totally understand. I appreciate what you guys are doing, but you were like one of the only emails from somebody who has been diagnosed with it. That was like, Hey, like I, that was pretty much only positive. Do you know right. what I mean? Where you're yeah. like, I appreciate what you did. If you want to ask any questions, I'm here. What do you think it is about you that made you react that way versus some of these other emails we've gotten from people that have been purely negative, like yeah. other people with BPD that are like, I felt so demonized. Like what, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Cause we were yeah. so taken aback by like how hurt some people were by that episode. And yet you have BPD and you didn't seem to feel that way. Uh, it might just be where I am on my journey with that. Like I said, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not better, but I'm definitely starting to stabilize, but I could see how they could be hurt. Cause it's, it is, it's really easy to demonize it. I mean, I hear it in the things that I'm saying that, you know, the, all the mm. push pull and all the, you know, the relationship issues, it's not, you know, it's not easy. It's not a nice thing. It's not, it's not easy to live with. And I can understand why they'd be hurt, but the part of the problem is nobody knows about it though. Like Mm. nobody really understands it furthermore and nobody knows where, how to get treatment past that. So, you know, for me, it was just glad that you, I was just so glad that somebody brought it up outside (laughs) of, you know, me and my therapist. Cause most people, when I tell them that they think it's like a blood pressure disorder or something. No, 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 it's it's mental health, but thank you for your concern. So it's, I was just glad that somebody was talking about it and that they're, you know, like, I said that there's a forum for this kind of thing nowadays is, you know, big just to get the information out there, you know, and I just hope that somebody, you know, somewhere heard that and recognized something in themselves that, you know, would kind of irk them to go get some treatment or, you know, kind of help them in some way. And if, if, if if it damaged and hurt other people, I can understand that too. Yeah. yeah. But it's it, we just need to get it out there so there is less of a stigma because that is just like all those negative things are just you know they're really just reactions to the mental health issue itself with being borderline personality it's not like it's the person's bad it's just it's literally the way their mind works myself included like i can right. to this day i can still feel it sometimes and i know i'm in an emotional like uh, an emotional high and i know that i should calm down and i just i, I just can't still sometimes to this day so i i I know it's hard and I'm sure it's hard for them, but it's good to get the information out there to other people that, you know, that may need it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're so right. I said that a big reason why I wanted to do that initial episode was to get that information out for people who had been in my position or like who were currently in the position I was in. But you're so right that it also like, I do hope that maybe if somebody was struggling and trying to figure out like, hey, why do I feel this way? That maybe it it did shine a light for them and be like, oh, shit, maybe I have this. And like, you know, maybe go get some help. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. um, How has uh, this affected your relationship with your parents now that they know Mm -hmm. and you know and what kind of changes have been made there? Uh, It's um, and it's been it's been a lot better with my parents. I, I 
there was a time when I was younger where I pretty much moved out and I was done with my family and I wasn't going to talk to them ever again. When I was like 17, I was totally fine with doing my own thing. And, um, through treatment and stuff, I've definitely kind of, my dad still lives in Virginia, so I've kind of reconnected with him. And now I see him pretty much every two months and we talk all the time. And my mom and I, we go hiking pretty much every weekend. And it's a, it's a big thing for us to get out and go hiking and kind of just talk and, um, just get along. Cause for a long time, it was such a, I just, again, just a roller coaster of emotions with my parents as well with, you know, just going through school and life when I was younger, it was just, you know, it was hard to deal with, especially when I didn't know what it was. Mm. Yeah. How did they feel when you told them what it was? Were they like, did a kind of a light bulb go off for them too? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my mom and I were always close before, but you know, after that spat, um, yeah. Once I kind of went over, you know, everything that I learned and kind of she did her own research, too. And she's she's one of those moms. She did all kinds of research, and all <laughs> kinds of help and she all kinds of lists of therapists for me to see. And she was trying really hard, which which definitely helped me to have her there for me. Yeah. Um, but it was it was just again, it was another aha moment for them as well. Like, oh, thank God there is, you know, there is a name for this. He's you know, he's not crazy or he doesn't have all these different problems it's pretty much this one issue that kind of creates the anxiety and depression yeah i do i do hope that just like people continue to be more and more aware because like you said it took you a while to have somebody diagnose you properly and that's such a scary that had to be such a scary journey for you like you know if people are trying you on different medication that you don't actually yeah. need and it's like yeah. oh that it's that's so tough i'm i'm so sorry yeah, it was it was definitely a long road, and that was part of why I didn't like therapists, and it took me a while to get in good with the one that I have now. It's kind of mm. bad experiences in the past, but um, yeah. yeah, once you find the right the right one, it really makes a difference. Yeah, I have a question that may be kind of basic, and I'm sure I could Google it, and it would tell me. But is, <laughs> is borderline more uh, nature or nurture? Like, I know we asked you about what your childhood was like. I mean, how much of that actually? contributes or affects it or causes it or is it just kind of that would have been the way you thought regardless um, of whether your parents stayed together or not you know like yeah from from what i've read it's mostly kind of nurture and external mm-hmm. um external mm-hmm. environments and stimulations and things that happen through early childhood through adolescence they kind of form these thought patterns of anxiety and fear of abandonment mm-hmm. Um, so it is more of a kind of an outside stimuli that creates this over a long period of time from what from the from what I've read. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Yeah. That I mean, that lines up with at least my experience with my ex. Yeah. Is that mm. It was um, largely based on like childhood trauma stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense for the, the type of therapy you're describing, too. It's just sort of like a rewiring of your thought yes. process mm. more yeah. so than like yeah. taking something to change the chemical yeah. makeup mm. yeah. yeah exactly it's it's a more it's exactly it's it's a behavior it's a behavioral therapy treatment mm. so it's 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 all about retraining the brain and those getting those those emotional responses to coincide with what's going on around you mm. yeah and you feel like the biggest difference is just it's not that you're like you said it's not that you're better but you know what it is and you can identify it when it's happening and so you yep. can almost just wait it out yeah, definitely. Most of the time nowadays I can recognize it and I can kind of work through like, is this the appropriate response or not? Why is it? Why is it not? And then what is the appropriate response? But sometimes even to this day, I will just lose it and I'll lose it. 
and I'll be lost for a day. I'll just be manic. And then the next day, you know, I'll get a good night's sleep or something. Mm. And then the next day I can look back and be like, wow, that was a, you know, that was a really bad episode. And I can mm. at least recognize it the next day. Yeah. Right. This is, this is kind of like a complex question. I hope I word this the right way, but I feel like when I've read certain books about borderline, they've said that in the beginning stages, it's easy to confuse like the feeling of love with the feeling of like infatuation and wanting to just kind of like diminishment, diminish that fear of abandonment. Um, have, have you experienced that where like you look back on certain relationships and you're like <clears throat> unsure of what you felt and like how real what you felt was or if it was like part of the borderline tr- trying to cope with yeah. something mm. yeah i'm sure uh, actually i can say for certainty that my last relationship was with somebody that was like a hundred percent opposite to me and that i probably shouldn't have been with mm. but it was just like she was interested in me and i i just am so addicted to love that i was you know just happy to you know, hop into this uh, pretty uh, toxic relationship because she mm. had some issues of her own as well. And it was just really toxic with her anxiety and my depression and back and forth and vice versa. Um, but it was just like I was just so I just want, you know, I was just so addicted to love that I was, you know, more than happy to jump into something that pretty much I knew. I even tell my mom, like, oh, I know this is the girl I'm not going to marry. But, you know, at least for the time being, you know, mm-hmm. I got someone to be with, which is such a terrible outlook on a relationship mm-hmm. looking back. But it's just all coming back to that fear of abandonment, kind of that addicted addiction to love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, this is so this interesting. This is by far my favorite episode we've ever done of the show. I seriously, yeah. I have Whoa. learned so much. I, I was one of those people who had never even heard of it until Kelsey brought it up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So knowing that this is a prevalent thing that's happening and nobody's really talking about it yeah. uh, makes me so grateful that I've been able to hear firsthand what it's like and what your journey has been like. It's mm. yeah, unbelievable. Chris, yeah, well, like we thank you so much, man. Like, yeah, seriously. Yeah. seriously. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you guys. Like I said, I'm just glad that there's a a place out there to get the information, especially with the um, borderline. There's a lot less males are diagnosed or are right. you know, inflicted by it. It's really it's known generally more as a kind of women struggle with it more. But, right. it, you know, there are absolutely there's men out there that have it and that struggle with it and that, you know, live with it. So. I just kind of want to break the stigma and get it out there. So what would you say? What do you want the public to know about borderline personality disorder? Like the one uh, thing that one takeaway, if you could have one from this conversation. If you do know someone that struggles with um, borderline personality disorder, try your best to be there for them. That's really what they're looking for. They want friendship. They want to know that they have people in their lives and also try not to take everything so personally because it's not, they're not doing it to personally. If they are acting terrible or manic or shitty or whatever, it's not because it's usually not because of you personally. It's because of outside Mm -hmm. factors that are influencing their emotions and just, just know that it's really and usually it's not personal yeah yeah um and then what would you like somebody to know who might be struggling with this and either not know or be too scared to go seek help 
I would just say get help. My my life has gotten markably better since I started doing real work on myself and therapy. And like I said, I've I've held a job down for a long time. I'm back in school. Just everything is a lot more stable in my life. I'm not really suicidal at all anymore. I've kind of gotten out of that stage with help of therapy, which is great because I've been suicidal since I was like 13. So oh, to gosh. finally not have to worry about that is so nice. And I, you know, I just, you know, I just, I can't thank therapy enough for, you know, helping me get through that. So I would just, you know, stress just reaching out and getting help and giving it time and finding the right person because it may not be the first therapist that's going to help you or that will even diagnose you, but just keep trying. Mm. Oh, yeah. Don't give up. Man, that's... Yeah. Wow. That's such good advice. Um, also, I told you to prepare a quote if you have yeah. one. We usually kick off the show. <laughs> but if we, quote we can end the show with this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, do, I do have a quote. Uh, I, was, I was struggling to come up with one, and uh, it's kind of cheesy, but it's it's my favorite one. I mean, I've struggled with drug addiction, and um, in NA, you always kind of start with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And with borderline, I feel like that's so true because a lot of a lot of it is in your head and you have to kind of have that serenity. I love the word serenity to kind of clearly yeah. figure out what what you can change, what you can't, and, you know, to understand that that's okay, that you can't change everything. Yeah, um, that's totally, totally Great. true. Seriously, you sound like such a wonderful man. Can I just say that? Like, really, like, I wish you the best and I hope you keep in touch with us and just, you know, keep emailing, writing in, telling us about your your journey and all the kinds of cool stuff you're up to. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Do you follow us on social media? I'm not asking in like a a vain way. I just mean, um, (laughs) I, you know, I still come up to Seattle and perform in that area at least like once or twice a year. So um, like, you know. Keep an yeah, eye on yeah, my calendar because yeah, I follow you guys on Twitter and I'm in the awesome. Facebook group. Awesome, awesome, oh, okay, cool. perfect, yay! Wow, this is so yeah. great. Thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys. Thank, yeah, you. thank you so much. Um, is there a specific like organization or anything that you want to plug or for yourself or for people uh, with borderline personality disorder that might be helpful? Anything at all? Uh, well, the, I, I the only one I could play. I, I go through Seattle Christian Counseling, and if uh, anybody in Seattle area or Washington area is interested, they, they've been really wonderful for me personally. So um, that's the only shout out I have. But the biggest thing is just get help, get out there, and you know try to learn about yourself and kind of grow. Awesome. Thank oh, you, Chris. Man. Chris, you're the best. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, please stay <laughs> in touch. You. You and... the best. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We hope to see you uh, at a show soon. Yeah. yeah. Love to meet yeah. you in person. Once yeah. we go Absolutely. on tour, we'll have to yeah. make Seattle yeah, a stop yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. All right. Have a great night, Chris. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye, guys. Bye. Wow, that was great. He was amazing. He was amazing. Oh my god. He was, like I want to be his friend. Like I he know. sounds awesome. Wow. I was like emotional. Like I was, I was like getting like teared up at one point. Yeah. It's like, yeah I was going to say tough. that must have been a yeah. roller coaster yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, do you feel a lot better? I don't know what I feel. It's just like oh, I don't want to get like emotional on a podcast. Um it's gonna make me cry that's okay i've never cried before on the podcast it's okay we'll all cry eventually (laughs) for sure i've just i've never um i've never been able to speak to my ex about his borderline Mm -hmm, because i left and then like found out afterward 
and didn't go back, you know? And so, like, talking to Chris, it was, I feel like that's, like, as close as I'll ever get, mm. you know? To, like, closure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, like, talking to my ex or, like, trying to understand, like, so many of those really painful times and just, like, you know, him saying to not take it personally and it's, like, almost impossible in those moments to not feel like you are like not worthy of love or like not worth being treated right it's so Mm -hmm. hard to to separate that and you know obviously at the time that those things were happening I didn't know that he had borderline so I totally assumed it was me but even looking back it's like it's still tough to remove like to separate borderline from the person you know what I mean yeah Yeah. absolutely Oh. <sighs> we love you. <laughs> okay. And also, we've cried before you on your proposal episode. So, I now, know, so bitch, shit. you caught up. Yeah. <laughs> real, yeah. real teary. That's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. Wow, yeah. that was seriously. But nobody nice. was looking at us. <laughs> that. We didn't have to talk. Oh, oh man. man, that was great. That was um, wow. Um, so, do you guys want to plug? <laughs> wrap it up follow us on social media (laughs) he's gonna come out the day after labor day cool so yeah i don't hope you had a great labor day weekend (laughs) great labor day um (laughs) join the patreon like seriously we love doing the patreon episodes so much they get so deep yeah yeah so you know it's five bucks a month if you want a couple bonus episodes it's a great deal yeah and then 40 bucks a month for the this is how we live now tier Mm -hmm. with all the other stuff and um yeah somebody tagged a photo of them in the helpster (gasps) shirt it looks so good yeah it's so cute when do we get our helpster shirts i have them at my house i'm excited just pop by and get one (laughs) (laughs) all righty thanks for Um, listening you guys oh are we gonna have do we we still want to have kane on to talk about his yeah okay yeah so again like delaney said a lot of these topics are going to be like continuous things and so um i think somewhere down the line we will have Kane on to talk about having a relationship with a borderline parent. And because mm-hmm. I know that we had people write in and say like, oh, yeah, my yeah. mom or my dad is borderline. So, yeah, um, just stay tuned for that. That'll be at some point. You know, yeah. I think we try and kind of like keep it mixed with other things. But yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, we love awesome. you guys. Love you guys. Love you. Thank, Thank you. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Well, I want to